It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. It's been a week when the government announced payments are being made under the Bee Finisher Scheme and Gloss. We look at what's in it for farmers. There was also an update on the CAF Investment Scheme in the Shannon this week. Mink are to be called here in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Tagusk is hosting its virtual dairy conference next week, so we take a look at what's on the agenda. The 2021 Foodworks programme has been launched. We hear from a previous participant, and the call's gone out for would-be fellows on the new ASA programme. And Farm Talk's John O'Connor will look at other stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue, has announced payments of €45 million under the new beef finisher payment for 27,200 farmers. The Cork North Central TD, Podrigo Sullivan, welcomed the payments, totalling just under €7 million for 4,251 Cork farmers. Minister McConnellogue said it's a valuable income support and helps mitigate the impact for farmers who finished cattle when prices were under particular pressure due to COVID. Farm Talk's John O'Connor has more details. Over 27,000 Irish farmers will share 46.6 million euro under the BFP 2020 Beef Finisher Payment Scheme. The Minister of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, in announcing that the payments had commenced, pointed out that this beef finisher payment is the latest supportive measure for the beef and suckler sectors carried out by his department in recent times. He points out, as well as the beef finisher payment now issuing, €6 million Euro in funding has been secured for the marketing and branding of a suckler-based brand, while a further €85 million Euro has been secured as part of Budget 2021 to support sustainable beef farming. These measures include €40 million Euro for the rollover of the BDGP, a further €40 million Euro for BEEP and €5 million Euro for the Calf Weighing Scheme. Minister McConnell points out these all come on top of the 76 million euro BEAM scheme which issued in 2019 and the first BDGP scheme which concluded just recently. Payment rate under the BFP is 100 euro per eligible animal. 
John O'Connor for Farm Talk. IFA President Tim Cullen and welcome the payments, saying that they're an important boost for farmers. Many recipients will have investment in replacement stock in the autumn. All of the money allocated for the scheme will be paid. Any underspend must be used to cover animals which were excluded from the scheme because they were exported, said the IFA President. All mink on farms in Ireland will be culled over the coming weeks because of COVID concerns. It's because a mutated strain of the virus has been linked with the animals in Denmark. There are around 100,000 mink in three farms across the country, including Kerry. Plans are already in place to phase out the practice, but it's understood the chief medical officer has written to the Department of Agriculture recommending the mink be culled now over the next few weeks. There are concerns here that if there was a mutation of the virus, it could affect the rollout of any vaccine. Farmers will be allowed to use the remaining mink to make fur, but there'll be no further breeding of mink in Ireland once they're gone. Retired milk farmer Redmond O'Hanlon says when there's not been a confirmed case of COVID on Irish mink farms, it shouldn't be necessary to cull them all. Overreaction as regards the virus itself. There has been absolutely no mutant virus found in any mink farm. They're isolated in the countryside. They're very well protected. No one is allowed in and out of them. And they're controlled absolutely terrific, so they are. If it were found, well then I suppose the right thing to do would be to put down the mink. But uh, certainly not just on, on the basis that they might or something like that. Similar to all the closures of businesses and everything that people are saying was totally unnecessary for a long, long time. Retired mink farmer Redmond O'Hanlon there. The new ASA programme has been launched to attract aspiring fellows to join the innovative programme aimed at developing Ireland's next agri-food thought leader. Dr Anne-Marie Butler, ASA President, joins us on Farm Talk to discuss the initiative for 2021. Yes, ASA. I'm the current president of the ASA and I'm delighted that we're able to launch a new fellowship. This is a new initiative for ASA, Barry, and it's in association with SBD Trust, so sincere thanks to them. A very attractive fellowship. It's a €10,000 fellowship for an ASA member. Um, and in essence, the fellowship is seeking to promote excellence in a number of things, but mainly leadership, science and innovation. So ASA is all about science, Barry. Our members all have agricultural science degrees. Our bedrock is science. Um, and our, so our focus is science and getting the scientific message out there. So the fellowship, we're hoping to attract lots of applicants, but the, the, lucky, the lucky winner of the fellowship, I suppose we'd seek them to be an ambitious, energetic individual who essentially has science as a genuine interest and wants to make um, a very positive impact within the industry. So your listeners, if they want to follow the detail, will find that applicants can su- submit an um, application under one of four headings. Now, the four headings are quite general, Barry, and the idea is that they encompass all areas of agriculture and the agri-food industry. So from sustainable agriculture to soil science, food for health, and agriculture and food economics. So applicants would submit an application. We've purposely not made it a very long application um, to avoid people having to, you know, spend hours of words into it. It's more to get to the, the nub of what they would like to study, how they would like to spend these funds. And an important element of it, Barry, then, is that they would allocate a certain proportion of the money to look at their own communication skills. So we would envisage that the fellow will be a spokesperson for the industry, they'll be a spokesperson for ASA and an advocate for science and the importance of science in agriculture 
and to highlight the vital role that agriculture plays in, in feeding the world and looking after people. Is it a very scientific programme, Anne-Marie? I mean, you know, is there a special person out there that you're trying to attract to that programme? The idea is that the person will put their application together. So the person will have to have be a full member of the ASA and, and have their agri degree and have a minimum of five years' experience in industry. So having worked for a couple of years, having left college at a minimum. But the individual put, will put forward their application what they would like to study. Obviously, it should have science at its core, but it also that for some, it'll look at do they want to go somewhere for a couple of weeks to study, go somewhere to have an element of work experience. Obviously, COVID has a little bit of an impact, Barry, on time scales and, and what we can do in travel. But for some, it could be taking courses online or it could be just spending time with other recognised advocates in the industry. I suppose essentially we want somebody who sees the importance of science in agriculture and is willing and ready to communicate that science. So a big output from this, obviously, will be the findings from the fellow and that this fellow will be able to represent, you know, not just ASA, but farmers, producers um, and agri-food industry in terms of advocating for agriculture. And I suppose the challenges that are coming towards agriculture now are here already, Barry, from climate change to biodiversity to, you know, producing safe food, which we do while meeting the needs of the consumer. So I suppose it's somebody who who likes science and likes people um, and is ready to communicate their findings to the to the outside world. And I'd imagine they have quite a bit of experience behind them already at this stage, Anne-Marie, anyway. Yes, you know, it's somebody who has a good scientific knowledge and background and, and this is, I suppose, an opportunity to step up and enhance their own skills. And I suppose somebody that's certainly self-led. You know, there isn't a specific programme here designed for them to follow. They will really be leading their own and following, obviously with great guidance from ASA and support that we can offer, but certainly to somebody who, who envisages what they would like to do and how they will do it. So having sold that now to some of our potential candidates, how do they ap- apply for this fellowship? All the information, Barry, the best place to go would be to our ASA website, which is www.asaireland.ie forward slash fellowship. We have lots of information also on Twitter, social media, Instagram, um, that'll bring them into it. But if they were to visit the asaireland.ie website, um, all the information is there. I'm very mindful that a lot of your listeners are, are ag graduates, Barry, from different colleges around Ireland and around the world. Um, and I suppose this is open to anybody who you know is willing and ready to, to join ASA and embrace this experience. So I'd encourage all your listeners, or if they have family or friends who are, uh, as we call them, ags, those who studied agriculture, just to encourage them to take a look. And I suppose this is a great opportunity. It's the first year of the fellowship. This person will be the first ASA fellow. So hopefully it'll be um, a great experience and accolade for them for their future career. And the closing date then, Anne-Marie, for this? is the 4th of January. Barry, so um, a bit of time over Christmas um, and uh, get applications in. Fill in the application form and we're also asking people to submit a max two-minute video, just a video to explain, recorded on their phone or their device, why they would like to be the ASA Fellow. And again, I suppose that's just a focus on the key communication element of this. So the key focus for us with this, Barry, is that it's not just a report that sits on a shelf. We want this person to be able to go out and advocate and communicate their messages um, in a communicational format, of course, but obviously at the core is science and the importance of science to farming. ASA President Dr. Anne-Marie Butler there. Farm Talk on C103. The CAF investment scheme was raised in the Shannon this week. Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnell engaged with Cork Senator Tim Lombard to discuss its progress. Minister, as you're very much aware, last January a CAF investment scheme was announced. It was initially for 1.5 million euro. It was expanded to 4, 4 million euro. Two and a half thousand farmers will have actually applied for this actual scheme itself. 
I very much um, welcome the opportunity to discuss your detailed report because I want to know how many actual farmers actually got actually payment from the scheme itself. I think it's a very, very worthy scheme. I think what it basically meant was it gave investment for it gave the opportunity for investment for farmers for on farm investment when it came when it came to calf rearing. This was a deficit in the system over the last few years. We've seen a major expansion in both the dairy and beef herd, in particular in the dairy side. In a few weeks' time, we'll have 1.5 million dairy cows calf in the, month, in the months of January, February and March. And investment in calf rearing um, equipment on those farms is very much welcomed. I suppose the one drawback, and I'd mentioned the drawback in the scheme, is that it was announced on the 7th of, of January. Now, the 7th of January, for a three-week period from the 7th of January to the 28th of January, realistically had the opportunity for farmers to apply for the scheme at the start of the actual calving season. It was illogical in that sense. Um, it would be akin to announcing the Christmas bonus on Stevens' Day. The actual um, issue was gone too far. If we're to have a new calf rearing scheme, <coughs> we need to have that calf rearing scheme announced in the next few days because announcing it in the month of January literally is too late for the actual industry itself. The preparation work that's going into the spring calving has begun. Um, sheds are being cleaned out, sheds are being washed, equipment is being is getting ready. From the 7th of January onwards, we're going to have 1.5 million um, dairy cows calf, and particularly in my part of the world. And that preparation is in full swing at the moment. So I'd be hoping that we do have a new scheme. I'd be hoping that a scheme could be announced shortly. So the actual dairy farmers that need this actual equipment will have the opportunity to apply in a timely manner. And I think that timely manner has to be in the month of December. So it gives the opportunity to get the actual equipment in place for when the calving season starts itself in full. I'd say I want to thank you for raising this matter and I know it's one that you've raised on many occasions before and on the Agriculture Committee previously and that you have a very strong um, commitment to developing. This on-farm investment scheme uh, supporting investments in calf-related items opened, as you pointed out, to farmers last January and the scheme was one of a series of measures put in place in advance of the spring calving season last year with a view to ensuring the highest possible calf welfare outcomes. The scheme... Uh, is fully funded by Irish Exchequer and a total of €4 million Euro was secured to fund the scheme. It was open for applications on the 7th of January until the 28th of January 2020 and the minimum investment required for the scheme was €1,000 while the maximum investment was €7,500 with both figures excluding VAT. A 40% grant aid applied to applications meeting the terms and conditions of the scheme and this means that a maximum grant pay payment per holding uh, was therefore of €3,000. Applications for payment could be submitted as soon as investment was complete. The final date for the submission of payment claims was extended then to 30th of September 2020 in light of COVID-19 restrictions. Over 1,500 payment claims were submitted by, by this date, which is a substantial number. Payments under the CAF investment scheme commenced then in August 2020 and are issuing on an ongoing basis as cases are cleared by the Department for Payment. Any application... Um, any applicant who has been contacted by the Department with a query regarding the repayment claim is urged to respond as soon as possible to provide for the earliest possible um, issuing of payment. Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnellogue and Cork Senator Tim Lombard. A recent report concluded Irish dairy farms are the most profitable in Europe. Research was published by Cork Institute of Technology in Tagusk. The study examined the Irish dairy sector since quotas were lifted and described the growth in the sector as phenomenal in the five-year period to 2019. Irish milk prices were the lowest of all EU countries examined. However, profitability here is the highest, notwithstanding that Irish farmers are amongst the lowest paid. 
In response, IFA said the analysis published by CIT and Tagusk claiming Irish dairy farmers are the most profitable in Europe is flawed in that it doesn't include the cost of the farmer's own labour or land. IFA says farmers are operating at higher standards and higher costs for a milk price similar to 30 years ago. The timing of the publication of the report coincided with Glanbia's failure to increase their milk price and IFA said it's time farmers were properly compensated for their work and investment. This, it said, must be reflected in an increased milk price for the remaining months of the year. The Agricultural Section of the North-South Ministerial Council met for the first time in four years. The remote gathering discussed implications of Brexit on farming and a common approach to COVID in the industry. Both sides also renewed a commitment to help people living and working in rural areas, particularly the border regions. Liam Leahy is Dairy Gold Beef and Tillage Business Manager. Today we're looking at winter housing and the changing diet for cattle once they move indoors and the importance of good quality grass silage for feeding. You're just having a very important word there, grass silage. Yeah, over the last number of weeks, most cattle have gone in. There's very little cattle left in the land. This year's maybe some dairy stock, but in general, most beef cattle have gone indoors now. They're settled down to their winter diets at this stage. They have Most cattle have come in quite good, in good, in good shape after, uh, after summer, which, you know, it's a good start. Silage will be their primary part of their diet, supported by some meals. And I think there's something that's awfully, awfully valuable to farmers is good quality grass silage. Often very difficult to make and maybe underestimated in a lot of cases to its part of place in the diet. Yeah, uh, I suppose here in Dairy World we have tested quite a few pits at this stage now. And with, with, again, with a, a very, very varying results. Our average DMD today is about 68 which is in keeping with our average for most years. Proteins, I feel, are a little bit lower than normal, maybe down at 12. Again, probably not a huge a huge uh, significance to, to beef, lads, particularly with finicky animals. Maybe more important with the growing animals and where you'd like to have higher protein in their diet. Pits are generally well-preserved with high intake factors. But again, the difference between a pit of silage at 67, 65, 60, 60 MD, Versus a pit of silage at 73 or 74 DMD is probably three, three, three and a half kilos of meal per day. That's a euro a day. So, I mean, that's putting the value on good silage. It's a euro a day to finish in catenary. No, that's been very simplistic about it, Barry. Yeah, and in terms of the testing, we've been emphasising that in recent weeks there on that topic. Liam, how important is that? Ash, look, it's awfully important. You, you know what you're dealing with. It, it creates the foundation for your diet. It's, it's, it's probably... In most cases, 50 to 60% of the animal's diet, I'm talking about the beef animal or the finishing animal's diet. If you get that wrong, it, it just it just makes the whole finishing period much longer. You miss all your targets. But if you can plan for it, you hit your targets. It's a question of knowing what you're feeding. Let that be your starting point. And uh, building your diet around it. You can influence the diet with concentrates, but you must first know what you're dealing with. I suppose another thing worth mentioning at this stage as beef units and suppose farmers in general get bigger, an awful lot of the, the, the silage pits up in these, we're taking samples off with a simple probe. It's probably the only practical method of doing it. But, you know, it probably pays to get it tested two or three times during the year at the face of the pit because the cancer is so, so big that it's, it's not fair to say that a, sim, a, sim, a simple probe in the middle of the pit is representing the whole, the whole pit, you know. But uh, look, it's very important uh, yeah. to, get, uh, to get it done. And for finishing cattle indoors, then, what should farmers be looking for now to get the best return? Look, I suppose cattle, they'll all start off at maybe three, four kilos a meal on regular silage. If they're very good silage, believe it or not, they could nearly go to the finishing line with that three or four kilos a meal. 
But once you go over 80 or 90 days, maybe 80 days, and you feel you're still not close to the finishing line, you want to be doubling that up to six or eight kilos a meal, pushing harder, because cattle do tend to slow up. I use the word dry up, and you don't get the same drive out, and so you've got to start front-loading front the diet then with, with uh, concentrates. So I think now cattle are in, in most places, maybe 50 to 60 days. I think it's time to for the feeder to stop, take stock, as the saying goes, look at your cattle, look at your diet, look at your target finishing date, and make, make an informed assessment of what you have to do from now. Now is the time to make, I would say, the final correction and go, go for it. Liam Leahy, Dairy Gold Beef and Tillage Business Manager. Mr Des Morrison, the chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee, has advised farmers to shop around between factories if they are selling what they deem to be supermarket suitable cattle. He said they could very well get better prices by shopping around between the factories. He said inspect Herefords and Angus cattle with a dead weight of between 260 kgs and 340 kgs were currently in demand and the factories were under pressure, he said, from their supermarket customers. Mr Morrison said he's certain now that premium flat rate deals are being negotiated off grid and processors, he claimed, were paying significantly more than normal quoted prices. He urged farmers to go past their usual agents or factories and seek out those factories actively trying to fill a market that was certainly there. The ICSA Livestock Chairman inferred that in his opinion, in general, factories were taking advantage of the BGDP and other factors to drop prices, particularly for cows, and he cited what he saw as the fact that numbers looked generally unchanged as evidence it was the factories exerting downward price pressure. Mr Morrison said he could see no evidence of an increase in numbers proportionate to this downward pressure on prices which he believed the factories were exerting. And he suggested one positive option might be to get away from the grid. Mr Morrison said that we know the type of cattle supermarkets are now looking for and the factories want to source and supply them. That's why they're saying to farmers with inspect animals that there's a great deal of competition right now for them. So farmers should actively seek the best prices. And that's part of a statement there from Mr Des Morrison, chairperson of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, ICMSA Livestock Committee. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. We continue this week's Farm Talk with our weekly Tagusk advisory. Brendan Smitty is dairy advisor with Tagusk in East Cork. And we look at the importance of winter husbandry on the farm. All animals are back indoors at this stage. So I suppose look from, from the biggest issue at this stage is, from a dairy point of view, is looking at look body condition score of cows, maybe target weights of heifers and things like that and having a plan in place, and it's all about, I suppose, getting ready for, for the calving season, you know, which is not too far away at this stage. Look, the ideal body condition score for calving is in the order of three to three and a half, ideally maybe around three and a quarter. We're looking, I suppose, at a dry period of around eight weeks now for a cow, I suppose, to get a physical rest and from dry cow tubes, etc., and just for the mammary glands, you know, to, to recover as well. Within that time frame, look, on kind of 68, 70 DMD silage animals will get, would hope to gain about 0.2 of a body condition score. You know, to just assessing animals, you know, are they above target, below target or on target, you know, and maybe the facility should be there within within yards at this stage, maybe to have groups of animals within those three, you know, above, below or on target. The above target animals maybe might need to be kind of restricted in terms of, of intake and we'll maybe look at silage in a second, silage quality. The below target animals, I suppose, look, just maybe either need additional supplementary feeding, maybe better quality silage or just a longer dry period. And again, look, I suppose that option will differ from yard to yard. And obviously then, look, the main batch of animals, which should be, should, should, should be the most of them, you know, that are on target will just basically... Um, are just on kind of ad-lib silage, you know, for, for, for their eight-week dry period. Pre-calver kind of needs to be in kind of six to eight weeks pre-calving. So, you know, um, within the next three to four weeks, look, as I said, um, again, look, that's a job that just needs to be planned for um, to check out the minerals and, you know, again, have, have a supply ready in store, um, you know, from mid-December onwards. Now, silage quality is something that we've been discussing in recent weeks and it's on our programme again this week. How is it looking now at this stage in the yards? I suppose, look, first of all, and actually, thankfully, I suppose, look, for the year that's in it, um, silage quantity, um, you know, in a fair way, is not a problem um, in, in the majority of yards at this stage. Um, you know, as I said, with the good grass year we've had, uh, a lot, an awful lot of silage has been made. Quality, uh, I suppose, overall is is very, very good this year. Now, look, does that... that, that there are look, so, so some poor quality bits of silage around as well, but by and large, quality, quality silage is good. Testing of silage, maybe not a lot of farmers maybe are testing silage, but if nothing else, when they open silage bits, maybe, you know, just to look at the silage and maybe assess kind of three factors. Look, a lot of us can be done visually as well. What dry matter is the silage? If we go back to the summer this year, you know, there was a lot of very good, very good weather with a lot of very dry silage made. So silage, by and large, the dry matter percentages of silage tend to be a little bit higher this year. The norm is maybe around 20%, but we're seeing a lot of silage just coming in, maybe 24 to 30%. Um, 
DMDs look are kind of look a lot in the range that 68 to 72 again, which would be indicating good quality silage, and preservation overall, um, you know, it seems so far to be quite good for for for, for pits that, uh, that 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 we've kind of seen and results that have come back, um, you know, with good pHs, with low ammonia nitrogens, um, and, and overall good preservation characteristics. You know, the quantity of silage that they're feeding, Brendan. When will someone know that it's you know it's the right amount? And again, look, we have segment of people look that have dyed wagons and things like that out there, and they can freely way the silage going into going into wagons you know for the majority of farmers that don't have wagons and are just using um, we say grabs to feed, feed our silage look what we would be suggesting is at some stage just put two or three grabs of silage into a trailer take them you know to the local weighbridge to the co-op or whatever and just weigh that and it's very easy to get an average look of what's the average grab of silage at that stage and if you go back to what i said there a while ago the dry matter percentage of the silages with silages being that little bit drier this year you know as i say and you have the weight of the grab it's very very easy at that stage to establish how much is going into animals and going back to what we were saying earlier on about trying to get animals you know the, the below the on target or above target you know it's very very easy once you have the weight once you have the dry matter you know to actually establish basically whether you're feeding animals correctly. Brendan Smitty, Dairy Advisor with Tiagask in East Cork. Recently, on the 18th of November, European Antibiotic Awareness Day took place, part of the World Antibiotic Awareness Week from 18th of November to 24th of November. So what was the purpose of this one-day world event and the complimentary week-long European event? Joining me is Farm Talk's John O'Connor as we look at the relevance of antibiotic awareness to farming, by extension to human health. Hi Barry, thank you. Well, to begin with, for our listeners, the European Antibiotic Awareness Day, EAAD, which took place on 18th of November 2020 in partnership with the World Health Organization, WHO, aimed to raise awareness about the threat to public human health of antibiotic resistance and the vital importance of prudent antibiotic use in farming primarily. The latest uh, data available confirms that across the European Union, the number of patients infected by resistant bacteria is already a major threat to our human health. And John, you mentioned AMR. What is AMR? AMR, that's antimicrobial resistance. That's the resistance of a microorganism to a drug that had originally been effective for treatment of infections caused by that microorganism. Resistant microorganisms, including bacteria, fungi, viruses and parasites, are able to withstand attack by our antibacterial drugs, our antibiotics, as well as antifungals, antivirals and antimalarials, so that standard treatments become ineffective and infections persist, increasing the risk of spreading these to others. And in the farming context, what is being done to prevent AMR developing? We've already covered selective dry cow therapy on the farm programme on a number of occasions, Barry. Selective dry cow therapy involves not administering blanket antibiotics to cows at drying off. SECT, selective dry cow therapy, will be implemented on 28th of January 2022. But long before that date, anyone intending staying and dairying should adopt milk recording for their herd. That's one plan to counter or better still prevent AMR. So is there any overall AMR prevention programme in place? I understand Minister McConnell launched the Code of Good Practice coincided with World Antimicrobial Awareness Week back on the 18th of November last. Yes, that's correct. The Code of Good Practice aims to guide the responsible use of antimicrobials on suckler and bee farms. 
When he was launching the Code of Good Practice, Minister McConnell Luke pointed out that the Code was part of the anti-AMR One Health Programme, which highlighted some of the more important actions that beef and suckler farmers can take to reduce their overall use of antibiotics and improve their herd health. Well, we spoke about the example of a 28th of January deadline for the implementation of selective dry cow therapy. The minister was also targeting beef and suckler enterprises as sectors where AMR could be prevented with a better control of administering of animal remedies, antibiotics, etc. We could say better control on any farming enterprise where antibiotics are used to make sure antibiotics are used correctly. The new EU veterinary medicine regulation is probably another measure to constrain the prescription of anthelmintics. Under this EU veterinary medicine regulation in Ireland, farmers will need a veterinary prescription to obtain antibiotics and animal remedies, which previously could have been purchased over the counter at their co-ops or stores from a suitably qualified person. But that's a controversy that's got the farm organisations up in arms. So, John, the AMR threat is being taken very seriously. The veterinary profession and human health organisations see the anti-AMR campaign as a race against time. Preventative action has to be taken on our farms now. Thanks, John. Tagusk will hold its virtual dairy conference over two days next week. Dr. Tom O'Dwyer joins us to discuss the agenda and how you can join the online presentation on Tuesday and Wednesday. So over two days next week, we have, we're going to discuss two fairly big items. Uh, one is the more efficient use of fertiliser nitrogen uh, on the Tuesday. Uh, on, on the Wednesday, we're going to look at improving efficiency factors on farm to improve sustainability. So there are two big topics, and on both days we have a similar format. We have a panel discussion in the morning uh, from 10 to 11, and in the evening then we have an interview with commercial dairy farmer and the Chagosk expert, uh, and really the purpose of the evening is to put a more practical slant on the items that have been discussed in the morning. Now, even though you're going online this year, the conference is as important as ever, isn't it? And you have as much packed into it as you would in normal times. I suppose what the phrase that comes to mind attributed to Billy Clinton is, you earn what you learn. You know, it, it is important that dairy farmers and other in, others involved in the dairy industry, I suppose the latest research and um, you know, the current thinking in relation to uh, best practices. So I, I think that we've um, assembled... Uh, speakers and panels of speakers uh, for next week, for next Tuesday and Wednesday, which will share best research uh, and also put forward the latest advice in relation to fertilizer nitrogen use, you know, clover use, low emission slurry spreading and other efficiency factors uh, which can impact on uh, dairy farm sustainability. Now, it's the 23rd year of the event and I'd imagine that a lot of things have changed there over the years. But the most recent changes, Tom, that people need to be aware of, I'm sure you'll be going through those. Quite true. You know, when you look back, there, there has been significant changes in, in the dairy industry. And the most recent, well, the most recent ones, I suppose, uh, 2015, the removal of EU milk quotas brought about a fantastic opportunity for uh, Irish milk suppliers. Um, you know, farmers were able to ex- expand their dairy herd. I suppose the changes that we're looking at now that are probably going to shape the, um, the, the development of the dairy industry over the next decade are largely concerned with the environment. Our emissions from uh, agriculture, uh, the impact of agriculture on water quality, and the impact of agriculture on biodiversity. 
you know, in some respects, the, the policy documents that are emerging in Europe uh, and also in, in Ireland, the Climate Action Plan of 2019, they are going to shape the, um, the environment within which dairy farmers operate over the next uh, decade. Very important and engaging topic. So how do people get involved with this now, Tom? Well, what we'd like people to do is just to let us know that you're going to join the broadcast. It's being broadcast on the Zoom platform and uh, registra- details on a registration link are available on our website, www.chagas.ie. Uh, we would ask people to register beforehand. Uh, the event is free of charge. Uh, once you register, you will receive a reminder email re- reminding you to join the broadcast. Dr. Tom O'Dwyer, Tagus Virtual Dairy Conference takes place over two days next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And a reminder, Animal Health Awareness Week next week from November 23rd to 28th. 3,200 participants in the Gloss Environmental Scheme are receiving their bonus payment for delivering exceptional environmental output. This bonus payment, the Department of Agriculture is pointing out, is being delivered four weeks ahead of schedule this year. The total payment will amount to 3.6 million euro to be shared by the 3,200 participants in the GLOSS scheme. In addition to the commencement of the GLOSS Plus payment, a large tranche of more 2020 advance payments under the scheme have been made in recent days. These payments, the Minister points out, are worth 11 million euro to farmers and mean that over 14 million euro has been made to GLOSS participants over the last fortnight. In total, 2020 payments worth over €152 million have now been made to farmers. The Minister said in addition to the early issue of payments for GLOSS participants, they will have the certainty now of participating in the scheme again next year if they wish, thanks to this additional funding which he had secured in the budget. Achieving this level of funding is important to ensure we give certainty to scheme participants when transitioning from one Rural Development Programme, RDP, to another. Subject to clearance from the European Commission on our proposed Rural Development Programme amendment, these GLOSS scheme participants will be contacted directly by his department in early December this year with full details on how to extend their participation into next year if they so wish. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Carberry Group's €78 million Euro extension is now complete and the new mozzarella plant is operational, coinciding with the launch of the new Carberry dairy brand and cheese products from a state-of-the-art facility at their HQ in Ballinine in West Cork. The group will initially be focusing experts on customers in Asia, including China and Japan, as well as mainland Europe. Sales of eggs during the first COVID lockdown increased by over 20%. Research from Board Bia shows that 656 million eggs were sold in Ireland last year, an increase of 11% on 2018. The study looked into different generations' favourite eggs, with millennials preferring fried or scrambled, baby boomers like boiled eggs, teenagers want scrambled eggs in their diet. Foodworks 2021 has been launched with a call on all cork food and drink startups to apply to participate in the programme. Accelerator programme is worth over €50,000 and run by Bordbia, Enterprise Ireland and Tagusk. Ross MacDonald of Farron 4 based All Real, a sustainable nutrition company, is a former participant and has been telling Farm Talk all about it. I've actually, funny enough, been on the, on the Foodworks programme twice, so I'm probably the only person who's done that, but um, it's... Uh yeah, both times for me was absolutely fantastic. The first time I did it, I had zero experience in the food industry. I was an engineer before, and 
it was just really a crash course in every aspect of uh, of the food industry. I, I kind of consider it a little as kind of a mini MBA in, in the food industry. And, um, you know, even second time through, I had two or three years experience under my belt and I found it just as valuable again. And they really kind of give you an education in all things, marketing, um, sales, finance, legal, uh, developing your product, you know, working out who your target consumer is. Um, and that all kind of builds towards, at the end of the course, you develop a, a business plan so you can use that to, to to try and get more funding, whether it be through private investment or or, or through the banks. Um, and also really outside of the educational piece, um, it's a really good thing for, for networking. So first of all, it gives you credibility when you're sort of taking your product on to buyers or anyone afterwards. You know, you've been through this, this program and it's really well recognized in, in Ireland. Um, and also just within the program itself you have different people coming in and it's, it's just a great way in terms of uh, networking and talking to other brands in similar position to you and you can help each other out and share ideas and give each other introductions so yeah I couldn't I couldn't really sort of rate it highly enough uh, as I say I've been through it twice and both times it's been it's been fantastic for us and what were the most beneficial things that you found from the program bringing them forward then into business probably the biggest fear factor for most people is the, the financial element of it you know um, developing a kind of a three-year financial forecast and getting all your all your costings in line um, and that was something actually that really improved from the first time I did it to the second time it's the first time it was quite daunting an accountant came in it was you know it was it was hard going and and the last time it really you know it's, it's broken down into layman's terms and you know anyone can kind of get up to speed with it and you're given kind of models that you can plug in your plug your numbers into and make it very user friendly, um, so that was probably, I think, probably the big a big thing that most people get out of it. Um, also, I suppose, really kind of honing in who you're trying to sell to. You know, quite often someone will come in with a product they think is good, and you know, you really can drill down into that into more detail and understand your target consumer. I mean, actually, for us, we went in. Um, uh, we went in with our brand Origin at the time, and uh, you get the opportunity to put your brand in front of a, a load of consumer panels. So you can get um, you can get feedback on your brand, and you know whether it's ticking all the boxes and uh, it's, t- it's you know hitting the right consumer group that you're after. Um, and we actually got a load of great information out of that, and we realised that actually our brand, so we thought it was great, it probably wasn't serving us to the, the full maximum you know, benefit that we could potentially get out of it. So we were able to kind of use those focus groups as an opportunity to kind of tweak tweak our, our brand messaging and, and then go back to a design agency. And we've recently re- relaunched a new brand now off the back of us that we feel is, is much better positioned to represent what we're, what we're about. So maybe we need to know a little bit about your company at this stage, Ross. Tell us all about it. Yeah, sure. We're, um, we're a, a nutrition company. We're based in, in Farron 4 in Kerry, um, our, our kind of our hero product is a is a protein bar that we we make locally, and um, we also do kind of other healthy snacking products. But uh, I suppose it's we differentiate ourselves, you know, amongst the crowd in that space by two main areas. One is uh, every ingredient in our bars and any of our products are all, all natural. We don't have any artificial sweeteners or or bulking agents or fillers or anything like that. And also we've a we've a big emphasis now on on sustainability with our new brand. Um, so what I mean by that is we'd be one of the first 
uh, to bring in plastic-free uh, home compostable packaging. Um, we're also in our factory in Farron 4. We're now certified with Ford Beer's, Ford Beer's Origin Green program, which is a globally recognized sustainable manufacturing program. And also we've kind of looked at our bar. There is, and we've, we've products such as nuts and things which are hard to source locally, but we try and source locally wherever we can. So we use, we use the milk protein in our, in our products and, uh, and that's sourced locally actually in, in the county of Kerry. Um, and also we use uh, Irish Atlantic sea salt. So it's just trying to reduce the, the food miles, I suppose. And, and the sustainability thing for us is an ever-evolving topic. So they're the first steps that we're kind of, we've got into. We're also starting to work with some plastic, uh, some charities that pull some plastic from the seas, and we're working on that project to get that going. Uh, and also some tree planting charities. And I suppose a bigger goal for us sort of in the medium term is to get uh, carbon neutral in our, in our manufacturing process. But yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much us in a, in a nutshell. And how many are working for you at the moment? We're gearing up a little bit. We're still quite a small team. Um, there's myself and Niall Harty at the two founders. Um, and then we've, we've three in production downstairs now working full time. We're looking to take one more production operative on and, uh, and two other two other members of staff in sales and marketing by uh, the beginning of next year. So we're growing, we're growing quite rapidly. Um, and actually off the, off the back of the, the Foodworks program, um, you're kind of teed up then to talk to Enterprise Ireland in terms of their next steps, um, which is becoming a high potential startup with them. So we're also, we're also now part of Enterprise, Ireland high, Enterprise Ireland's high potential startup uh, uh, fund or program as well. So. Ross MacDonald of Farron 4 based All Real. More information is available on foodworksireland.ie. Cork County is amongst the top three counties for new tractor registration so far this year. According to reported FTMTA Farm Tractor and Machinery Trade Association figures, to date in 2020, Cork has registered 251 units, Tipperary 129 and Wexford 128. In the month of October nationwide, a total of 85 new tractors were registered, just two units more than in the same month last year. The total number of registrations up to October 2020 was down by less than 4% on last year, at 1,846. Last year's figure at the same point, October, was a total of 1,913. 88% of all tractors registered up to October 2020 had over 100 horsepower, 56% had over 120 horsepower, and 29% had over 150 horsepower. That's according to FTMTA figures, as reported in the Irish Farmers Journal. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. And thanks again to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.